as we do that, always keeping an eye on the ball of, hey, we're not trying to be cute here. Like mm, the point yes. isn't to just to say, look what we did here. The point is so that people can sing. Welcome to Soundless Doctrine, the podcast of Sovereign Grace Music, where we explore what the Bible has to say about music and worship in the church and encourage those who plan, lead, and participate in their Sunday gatherings each week. Hello and welcome to the Sound Plus Doctrine podcast. My name is David Zimmer. My name is Bob Coughlin. And we have a very special guest for the we first time do. ever over Zoom. Yeah, we had to pay him so much money to get here. <laughs> Mr. Ben Shive. <laughs> just hey. kidding. <laughs> ben We're is... just kidding. I'm Mr. Ben Shive. Or... No, just kidding. That we're giving you a lot of money. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is great to have you with us, Ben. Thank you for joining us. Great to be had. Always love seeing you guys. Ben is a great friend and really a recent friend. Um, you've done so much. Uh, it's helped so many people. I think pro- people probably would be most aware of uh, y- just your relationship with Andrew Peterson and produced all of his albums, most of his albums? Not all. Some? But yeah, I guess at this point it's most. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. yeah. Just huge fan mm-hmm. of that and uh, a writer as well. Yeah, uh, but recently, right. I think last year, helped us with the Unchanging God volumes, which we loved. Uh, and we're singing some of those songs at my church now. Oh, amazing. <laughs> that yeah. is amazing. So great. Uh, and then we recorded four singles at the Worship God Conference. Yeah. And Ben, you blessed us with your uh, organ playing, synth playing. Uh, so just, just so grateful for how you yeah. are seeking to use your gifts to serve the church. Mm-hmm. Huge. Thank you. Huge, yeah. Uh, yeah. Thing that you're I'm doing. A, I'm a fortunate man. Well, yeah. and we want, we want people to get to know you and, uh, and to see kind of what you're a part of and, um, and how mm-hmm. you are serving the church. So, um, let's kick it off. Dive it in. Dive uh, in. the, well, the first questions we have for you, Ben is, um, is to tell us how you came to know the Lord. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny that you asked that at this moment, because I just had a, a, uh, an experience that helped me think of my story a little differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll tell you my story. My story is, uh, my, I remember my mom pushing us around the neighborhood in a wagon and, and, uh, learning a memory verse for every letter of the alphabet as like a, wow. you know, four-year-old and those, you know, those little snippety verses all have sin, a B I, you know, and that's, wow. just, that's J can't remember Jesus what wept. Was. but yeah, <laughs> Jesus. Yes. Wept, yeah. So that's the kind of house I grew up in wow. parents who were both believers. And, um, I think when I was four years old, I was sitting at the dinner table and I was like, uh, Hey, can I go to my room for a second? I went to my room and I prayed that God would come in my heart. And then I went back to the table and I didn't tell anybody, like it was just kind of, <laughs> and I think that just kind of illustrates how sort of like, this is the world. It was like eating or, you know, whatever, like, uh, to me, um, that's what the life of faith was, was always just kind of, it was part of the fabric. And so, wow. um, I think then, you know, I was, um, a bit of a free agent for a while there, though, <laughs> you know, there was a sense of just kind of like, whoever will give me attention has mm, my, mm, mm. you know, loyalty or whoever will laugh at my jokes or whatever. Um, so it really, I think there was kind of a, 
you know, I was I was involved in my church and I was memorizing verses in, in Awana and whatever. I I guess a, maybe this is just how I've come to interpret it in the um, in the intervening years. But I think a big moment for me was the moment that I sat in front of my dad's 486 piece PC computer in probably 1995. Wow. And I was playing Minesweeper and I or Hearts and I borrowed. I had borrowed Rich Mullins, a liturgy, a legacy, and a ragamuffin band from my youth pastor. <laughs> wow. And because I like the title and I like the cover. And I loaded the disc into the, you know, tray and pushed it in. And here in America was sung. And I went, The Holy King of Israel loves me here in America. Like <laughs> I just I knew it was true. And I wow. think that, you know, from there, Rich Mullins' music just kind of went like here's God, here's his gospel. Isn't that beautiful? And mm. I, and that was when I really started to see the beauty in a new way and wow. recognize in a new way, like I could be a part of this beauty. Mm-hmm. The Holy King of Israel loves me here in America in, you know, 1995. And um, so I mean, really, the the remainder of his life was short. I mean, he had two years left on the planet. Um, But during those two years, he was kind of my guide. And and so that actually, not only is that maybe the story, oh, what I wanted to say about it was that a couple of weeks ago, you know, I've got got grown, well, or almost grown kids now. And so I'm starting to feel some of the like, holy terror of like, they're going to go into the world and my influence over them Hmm. is diminishing day by day. And, you know, there, there are fears that come with that. And um, I was listening to a a guitar player from Nashville um, named Dave Cleveland tell his story. Mm. And it was, so I was on a panel and there were two guys in front of me and Dave told his story and it's his story to tell, I guess. So I probably won't tell it, but basically it was a guy going this way so fast away from God. And then God just goes, Clink, and you're mine. Mm, <laughs> like, yep. That was kind of how it went. He can do that. And then the next guy in line was a bass player named Daniel Lanerty. And he told his story, same story. Wow. And then when I told my story, it helped me having gone after those guys helped me to see in a new way that like my story is the same. Yes. Like, even though at that point God did, maybe the difference would be that, that there was already a trajectory yes. that had to do with God's kingdom, yes. but there was still this sense of just like, and God reached in and he grabbed me yes. Amen. And, and he said, you are mine. Um, I remember uh, mm. when I was maybe in my late twenties asking my mom, like, were you ever worried about me and Josh? And like, were you ever worried about like, if I was doing stuff that you didn't know about or whatever? And she was like, I was just prayed that you would know that you belong to God. Mm. And I, when she said that, I was like, whoa, <laughs> I think I always knew that I belonged to God. Uh, yeah, so he must answer wow. your prayer. Anyway, that's kind of my story. It is always biblical when we give the credit for our salvation to God. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's, the, yeah. no matter what we thought beforehand yeah. coming into it, it is God who reaches into our Yeah dead souls and raises them to life. He doesn't reach into it. But he, he raises our dead souls to life. Mm-hmm. You were yeah. dead in your sins and trespasses. Yeah. 
your sinful nature. That is, yeah. that's so great. And okay, so awesome. uh, <laughs> we could sit and talk about this stuff all day, but <laughs> today is really on arranging. We want to talk about yep. arranging in the church? And yeah, let's do it. Talk, talk about your history of playing for the church, like playing, what, what church you are at yeah. now? Well, that's great. I mean, that's a great window into talking about arranging because I was, I think as a young uh, piano player, I was the kind of player that I would have a lot to say to now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can relate to that. I rem- one of my early memories of of realizing that that there was something there that maybe I had a gift was I was playing piano in the band at my summer camp i say it was band but it was me and an older guy was playing guitar and he was kind of a hero and we were playing the song give thanks from the 70s did you write that or something with a grateful yeah yeah who wrote that no idea henry no idea oh i do i know but i can't remember so i so i started playing and we were kind of doing a bit of a groove and I was playing some little ding, 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 ding on the piano. <laughs> and I could and I could feel that there was some kind of electricity. And that like that it was like I was in the flow. Hmm. Also, like I know for a fact I was playing just overplaying in the most heinous way. Like looking back on it. Um so yeah, I was definitely a kid who had some a little bit of facility on my instrument. I had some chops because I had studied jazz and, and, and it took me a little while to find out that, 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 that was something I was going to have to overcome mm. as much as someone else would have had to overcome their lack uh, of facility. Well, and the fact uh, that you were learning that in the church is, yeah. uh, that's such a cool Testament to yes. the people you were playing with. Yeah. 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 So what, what, how did you grow? What what did you see through the years? And well, you know, a lot of my growth didn't happen in the church because straight out of college, I had a road gig. And so I didn't do, uh, and still don't do a whole lot of playing at my church. Okay. Partly because I play all week. And then also I teach Sunday school on Sunday mornings. Oh, fantastic. Kind of. I teach high school Sunday school, so it's hard for me to serve on the worship team. And what church are you at? I go to a church called Grace Community Church okay, in Nashville. Okay. Um, so a lot of my lessons it's were great. learned in the studio. Yeah. And yeah, I, yeah. Uh, my one of the early ones um, is I was on the road with Andrew, and um, I was a, you know six months out of college, and. He, uh, uh, so we, we were in Indianapolis or someplace and, and, and this guy goes, Hey, I've got a little home studio. I'm working on a record. I was wondering if on your day off tomorrow, you could come by my studio and play a piano on a track. I was like, mm. I'd love to do that. And part of the reason I wanted to do it was so that Andrew could see me show off in the studio. Perfect. <laughs> and because I hadn't played on a record for him yet, we had, you know, I was just like fresh on that gig. And so he came along and he heard me play on that song. And on the way home, he was like, Hey, so Ben, you kind of did a lot, like kind of all the time on that song. <laughs> and he told me that his anecdote was that Matt Rawlings, who is a giant on the piano, huh. Matt, he's in he's in um Lyle Lovett's large band, or he was, he may oh, not wow. be anymore. So he's Texas swing guy. 
and jazz guy. Like he's got all the chops all day, more than I've ever had in my life or could ever hope to have. And Andrew, and he played on Andrew's first two records. And on one of the songs, Andrew said, they asked Matt to play a solo in the outro, like to do something. And so they rolled the outro at him and a bar went by, two bars went by, four bars went by, and he still hadn't done anything. And they were like, did he know what we were rolling him for? Uh, and then he went, da-da-da. That was it. <laughs> that was his solo. And they were like, You're oh killing my gosh, me. it's amazing. Right? <laughs> um, so he told me that story as a way of saying, that's your goal. That's yes. your new yeah, goal. yeah. Wow. And thank goodness he did. And I got my feelings hurt, you know, and I felt defensive um and he was right oh this is and great. uh i remember you know it, it had its effect because i i got um called for my first session with ed cash a few months later and it was on a matt Wirtz record and i went in and i i just imitated i sat there at the at the <laughs> Wurlitzer waiting and waiting and they were like is he gonna come in and like, and they, Ed still tells that story. So I was just doing what I was told. By That's Andrew, so you know? like, cool. Waited until the right moment and learned to become a bit of a self-editor. That, yeah, so that was, and that kind of put me on that trajectory and production will do the same thing to you. Yes. Like if you're really, if you, man, I heard a guy a couple of years ago say the antithesis of, of what I believe about production. He said, I just want the vocal to get out of the way of my track. Oh, wow. Like, I was like, oh, oh, yeah, that's the opposite. Like, <laughs> you know, like moving into production has like just been more and more like, how can I get out of the way of the vocal? Make the vocal yes. really amazing. Yeah. yeah. Get as good of a vocal as we can get and then just get out of the way of it or just like mm -hmm. hold it up, you know, support yeah. that thing. Um, so, yeah, wow. production has also kind of has been a long lesson for me in just what's necessary what's helpful yeah yeah you know i really believe that the best players are not the ones who can do the stuff the best players are are defined by the choices they make yeah right by what they're able 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 to do right um and so you know i mean it's it's great if you've got all the skills you're still gonna have to make the right choices with those skills mm -hmm. and if you don't have all the skills it's not the end of the world to you yes. you still have some choices you can make you can still you can still do have like a meaningful contribution. I believe yeah. that's true in our churches for yeah. sure. So that that quote is is that your skill is not shown by what you can play, but the choices you make. Is that kind yeah. of a, a rough? That's just yeah, working. or maybe it's your mu musicianship. Your you musicianship. Know, I think that's what musicianship really is. Okay, so let's bring that into the church. Yep. What in your mind is the band doing? What's the relationship of the band and the congregation? Like, how the do, congregation? How do they work okay, so the the worship leader is not the vocal. The congregation is the vocal. Man, can you just That's, say that again yeah, for the sake for the of people. our listeners? The worship leader is not the vocal. <laughs> the congregation is the vocal, and the worship leader oh, is so is, great. Is the cue? Yeah. The, the worship leader is there yeah. to cue the congregation up to sing. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And then the band is is supporting that and not only supporting it but inviting it mm. you know, i mean there's this there's this needle that we thread or this this fine line that we walk between on the one side and you've heard me use this word a lot and you've made fun of me for it but boredom is on yes. one side yes and really boredom is yes. just the the loss of 
loss of energy, yeah. loss of interest. And then on the other side is overstimulation. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. so we overwhelm people or we underwhelm people either way. We're not serving them. Mm. And so we are, we are as a band going, how can we at the right moments, you know, bring, bring people up. Yes. yes. And how can we at, at the right moments disappear, get out of their way, mm. become, become less whatever it takes you know and and it's got to be a little bit of it's it's a dance between yeah, those two. yeah 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 because you're not yeah. wanting to lead the congregation into some kind of emotional engagement strictly with the music you, you're wanting the words to do that right and as they're doing it you want to be there to support yeah what's taking yeah. place and not leave them you know left to hanging right. out to dry yes yeah uh, we need i mean yeah it's on the one hand, we could we could do people a disservice by trying to whip them up into a frenzy. Yes. But yes. the truth is meant to be emotional. Yeah. Like the truth rings our bells. That's yeah, what it that's yeah, yeah. what it does. Because we were made for it. We were made for God. Yes. And so when we see him as he is, we we feel that. Yes. And yeah. the thing is though that over time, repetition can cause us to become in sensible yes and so and so music does serve the purpose of helping us feel again so it's not wrong to help our congregations feel things when they sing the truth um so we want to do that yeah we've said that singing for congregation the goal of singing is to enable them to feel the truth that's what singing's for Mm -hmm. Uh, otherwise you just sit around talk about true things your affections right. are never affected, and then you leave the yep. same as you came in with more knowledge, yep. which is a dangerous thing. Yes. Yep. And and so I, I talked about this at Sing a couple of years ago. You can probably find it. Um, but I've come to, in my production over time, define the word dynamics just for myself more broadly than it's defined in a textbook. So huh. I know that dynamics is is loud and soft and that's that's true. I'm not really arguing with that. But when when I think about dynamics, I'm thinking about all of the ways that we use change mm. to mm. to help it to help the song do what it is intended to do. That's good. And so there's all kinds of changes that we affect over the course of a really good arrangement. Um we can there can be the dynamics of how many people are playing at there's dynamics of um, how it, things like um, how we fill out the chords over the course of a song. Mm-hmm. You know, often at the beginning of a song, we're leaving out the thirds of the chords to like let them have a little hollowness, and then and and maybe or maybe we're voicing them with just a couple notes. Like mm-hmm. if I'm playing a song on the piano at the beginning of the song, I may just be playing one note in my right hand, or I might be playing two. Right. And as I move forward through the song, I'm going. Let's fill it in with thirds. Now yes. let's now let's play an octave in the left hand, just like increasing polyphony, increasing um, th- this the notes that are included in chords. So all these these kinds of things, and you could go on and on. You could talk about registers. Yeah, keep, registers t- keep t- let's let's hang right here. Keep talking yeah. about yeah. some of those things that make for yeah. sure good dynamics with a band. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I yeah. So registers, right? You could say. Hey, at the beginning of this song, okay, if I'm if I'm leading the band, I might go, "Hey, guitar, I'd like you to 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 be out at first, and piano, I'd like you playing just like right around middle C and below, like nothing nothing up high for a bit, and I'd like to wait on the bass. Let's or let's or bass can be in, but 
not down low on the neck, like up mm. high, like let's have everything kind of low and kind of in the middle. This is just one example. Yeah. Um, even though it's one that we use often because it works. And then we go, okay, hey, piano, when we, when we get to, you know, second chorus, let's, let's be at a place now where you know, your, your chords have, you know, four notes in the right hand and two notes in the left, like all the fingers that you pretty much have available, like really, you know, playing strongly. And then when we get to that last verse, why don't we um, have piano drop out? Cause we've been listening to piano for the whole song. Mm. So you're trying to create a little change just by going like, Hey, we've been hearing this same timbre the whole time. Wouldn't it be nice if it just went away for a moment and yeah. maybe guitar could still be in and sort of in the opposite move than from what we started with, you know, we started with piano down low, maybe in this third verse, we've got guitar up high, like, um, and, and he could do that for a minute and then we can all come back in on the last chorus and whatever. It's those kind of, those kind of moves that have to do with thinking about how we can use change to keep the song fresh. And, um, as we do that, always keeping an eye on the ball of, Hey, we're not trying to be cute here. Like mm, the point yes. isn't to just to say, look what we did here. The point is so that people can sing. And that ends up being a real governor for you because it it's, well, it's a governor and it's the, it does both. It, yes. it constrains you in both directions because you go like not enough dynamic, not, not enough change and people aren't getting the, the, they're not inspired by the emotion of the song and they may not sing as like lustily, you know, yes. you want yeah. that. However, too many changes, too many look what we did there moments. Yes. And all of a sudden people are going, wow, this is a cool arrangement. And maybe they're sitting back a little bit mm. instead of being like, I'm here. Um, and it also kind of, it, it'll, you know, part of what'll, even as you're saying, I want a, a strong sense of dynamics to guide the way that I use registers. You're also going to be paying attention to what the congregation is singing as you choose a register. It's like, right. you know what? The congregation is singing super low right now. And that means that uh, their voices are all going to be a little darker and they might be having a hard time hearing themselves because mm. they're so low. So I'm going to be careful not to fill my voicings out too much. Mm. I'm going I'm to be careful not to have 12 things going on on the stage. Like, really let's good. just let's yeah. just have one or two instruments in because they're so low. And then when we get to the when we get to the chorus, then they're up on, you know, they're up on a high three. So let's let's fill our voicings out more to like, you know, support them. But maybe we could keep that high three out of our voicings just so they can hear the, the melody really strongly. <laughs> and and to some degree, those are that's a little more like college level thinking. About yes, it. I was you know, like say. Oh, not yeah, everyone sure. is going to be able to recognize what note the congregation is yeah. on. And but that is there. Like, and I I'll tell you, like when session players play on records. They're thinking about that. Yeah. They're thinking yeah. about where's the vocal and how can I stay an inversion below or whatever? What can I, what can I do to, yes. to support what the vocal is doing? Man, I hope there are, <laughs> if you're listening to this and you're thinking, yeah, my, the members of my team should be listening to this. Yeah. Watch it or listen to it with the members of your team yeah. because these principles, they're just, they apply universally for a Sunday yeah. morning. You, you can apply them to, to every song, every Sunday and just yeah. are so helpful. Yeah. Well, and you have to, and, and the thing is you won't watch something like this and then immediately know what to do. Right. But, but you do, hopefully you hear what we're talking about here and you say, I need to start thinking about this. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then you get to experiment and you find it, you will find it. 
So you know something something that someone said to me recently. I had never heard this before. Um, I think it was Don Chaffer was talking about it um, at Lipscomb a couple of weeks ago. He said that, and he was quoting T Bone Burnett when they're in the studio. <laughs> when T Bone's in the studio, so we're all we're all stealing from each other. When they, when they're in the studio, they don't talk about John's guitar part. They talk about the guitar part. Hmm. And hmm. and what I mean, the difference between those things is, I would love it if players at churches everywhere started to think. Not what am I here to do? How am I here to express myself? It's, I mean, self-expression is whatever. I'm not against it, but it's not really it's not really what we're doing. No. Right. And it's not what we're doing on Sunday morning. Honestly, it's not even what we're doing in the studio. Like, <laughs> yes, exactly great, right. Great players and arrangers are doing. It's not self-expression. It's we talk about the guitar part because we are looking for almost like that platonic ideal of the yeah. guitar part on this song that like, what is, we know it's out there. What is the guitar part that will support the vocal and also the other members of the arrangement? Yes. And, yes. and I would love it if, if players at churches started to go on a Sunday morning, a little less touchy about criticism because <laughs> When they're when what they have played is interacted with in a constructive way, it's not. We're not talking about me. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about the guitar part. Yes, and they're just on the hunt. Uh, and and anyone who can help them find it is a friend. Yeah, right. An ally. Right. Um, so right. I would love to, to see us think that way. We've t we've talked a lot about that. Um, just in songwriting and even working with you, Ben, and all that you bring, you brought to our team is best idea wins. Yes. It takes it outside of, well, my idea wins or yeah. your idea wins is best idea wins. And it's like best part yeah. wins yeah. for yeah. the for the overall feel of the song. I just think that's so yeah. helpful. And the best part yeah. may be at times not playing. Exactly. I mean, for, that's right. For me, which is hard to, it's a hard yes. concept to get into your brain. Yes. And it's easiest to get there. There's two things that makes me want to say. One is yes, absolutely. If you're thinking about dynamics and one of the dynamics that you use isn't silence, you're not thinking about dynamics That's quite good. right. Mm -hmm. And and so it's like, there, yeah, there needs to be times when you're not playing for sure. And there should be times when everyone on the platform is not, not playing entertain you know like yes everyone needs to take a turn not playing <laughs> yes right um especially the drummers yes so the other <laughs> the other thing i wanted to say is that oh and by the way there are plenty of times when i get defensive when somebody criticizes what yeah. i'm doing <laughs> we understand like, no one's perfect on this any podcast one of my clients mm. and they will tell you there are times especially when he's hungry oh, then he's going to get defensive <laughs> yeah, about, yeah yeah you know, from time that to was time. amazing so, <laughs> yeah so I think one thing that does help us get a little less concerned about criticism of our part is that is when we're not only interested in finding our part, when we're interested in finding the whole thing together. Yes. Like yes. there's a there's a picture that we can make if we're all working together and we're just trying to find it. Yes. Yeah. That mm. is that is so good. What um oh my gosh. You, you know what? We're, there's a lot more questions I want to ask. Yes. Could you do this for, for, uh, could we do another podcast with you? Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. We're going to close this one. I mean, there are so many ideas that you have given us 
like in this brief time, yeah. uh, but I know there are more and there's some specific questions I want to ask you. So uh, right. we're going to sign off and uh, see you next Do I time. Need to change shirts? Yeah, no, you need to change shirts. <laughs> you can keep the same shirt because we're going to keep the same Stay shirts. Stay as on you too. are. All right. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to Sound Plus Doctrine, the podcast of Sovereign Grace Music. Sovereign Grace Music exists to produce Christ-exalting songs and training for local churches from local churches. For more information, free sheet music, translations, and training resources, you can visit us at SovereignGraceMusic.org.